I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. Pushkin. Hello, Tim Harford here. Not long ago, I popped up on Jody Avagan's podcast, This Day in Esoteric Political History, and I thought I'd share that interview with you now. Uh, this Day in Esoteric Political History is a short show. It drops three times a week. It's really fun to listen to. Uh, on the show, Jody and his co-hosts, Nicole Hemmer and Kelly Carter-Jackson, take one moment, big or small, often forgotten, from a specific day in US political history and they discuss how it might inform the world we live in today. However, I managed to convince them to go off-piste and talk about a weird moment from UK political history. I talked about the moment in 2002 when the northeastern English town of Hartlepool was gearing up for a mayoral election, and they ended up voting in the local football club's monkey mascot to run their government. So I discuss how Hangus the monkey got elected and what happened to the man inside the suit, Stuart Drummond, when he got his hands on the levers of power. Here's the episode. I think you'll like it. And if you do, you can find more episodes of This Day in Esoteric Political History wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to This Day in Esoteric Political History from Radiotopia. My name is Jody Avergan. This day, April 28, 2002, in the northeastern English town of Hartlepool, population about 100,000 or so, a man by the name of Stuart Drummond was about to be elected mayor. The election would happen on May 4th, and that's when Drummond would become mayor. Some notable things about Stuart Drummond, he was only 28, pretty young. He had a degree in business and languages from the University of Salford. He'd worked at a call center and on a cruise ship. All right, let me cut to the chase here. I'm burying the lead a little bit about Stuart Drummond. Stuart Drummond was a monkey, or at least he was a monkey mascot. He was the guy in the costume at the local football club games. The team's mascot was a monkey for reasons we'll get into, and Stuart was inside that costume firing up the crowd. 
And that was basically his only claim to fame. He ran as a joke and he won as a joke. And funnily enough, he actually became a pretty good mayor. And there are some lessons in there, I would say, about democracy and political credentialism and the power of free bananas as your platform. (laughs) So... Let's talk about all of this, the monkey mayor of Hartlepool, with our very special guest back on the show, Tim Harford, undercover economist, host of the wonderful show from Pushkin, Cautionary Tales, and he tells the story of the monkey mayor in the latest season. Tim, welcome back to the show, and congrats on the new season. Thank you. Great to be back. <laughs> what a wonderful introduction to, to Stuart Drummond and the and the town that yeah. elected a monkey for a mayor. I love it. Yeah. Well, no one says his name. You know, they always say the monkey, so I figured give Stuart a... a That's right. And I also want to say... We'll get into this story, but I also want to give you kudos. Is this the first episode of Cautionary Tales in which you sing? I caught that. You sing a little bitty, and I appreciate that. Well spotted. No, I actually sing a traditional (laughs) folk song from the northeast of England. The accent is is not good, but uh, I think I'm in tune, so that's something. (laughs) It's wonderful. Um, And, of course, with us, as always, are Nicole Hammer of Columbia and Kelly Carter-Jackson of Wellesley, host of Opademics. Hello there. Hello, Jody. Hey there. So, Tim, you're going to tell us the story of Stuart. We're going to bring a little bit of other interesting moments of joke candidates, animal candidates, and then we'll talk about some of the bigger lessons here. But I suppose we should also lay out why is the monkey particularly important in this town in northeast England of Hartlepool? So let me take you back to the Napoleonic Wars. So we're going back more than 200 years. The story is that while Britain was at war with France, uh, on the northeast coast of England, near the town of Hartlepool, a French ship was wrecked. And the sole survivor of the shipwreck was a very small, hairy gentleman, in other words, a monkey. And that the local folk of Hartlepool presumed since they had never seen a frenchman that this this is might be what a frenchman looked like and they they so they quizzed the monkey and uh, the monkey just didn't respond in any uh, in any language they could understand which makes sense because none of them spoke french and mm-hmm. so in the end they presumed since the monkey was unable to defend himself in english they presumed the monkey was a french spy and hung the monkey that's the story <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I mean, was I 100% believe it. <laughs> Let's end the episode I'm there. No reason to ask any follow-up oh, questions. Far, far too good to check. So this has just become a local tradition. So the local towns near Hartlepool, they all tease the Hartlepudlians. Hartlepudlians is the word for people from Hartlepool. They all tease the Hartlepudlians for being so dumb. They hung a monkey, thinking he was a French spy, and the Hartlepudlians have kind of embraced this. So they're, I mean, it's not like they're proud that maybe their ancestors hung a monkey, or maybe they didn't, I mean, nobody really knows. It's that they can get the joke. So they've been on the joke, they're able to laugh at themselves, they're sort of big, generous-hearted people. That's the way the Hartlepudlians think about it. And so the the monkey is a tradition in the town of, of Hartlepool, and the local soccer team has a mascot, of course, and of course the mascot is a monkey. The monkey is actually called Hangus. So, mm-hmm. no, her apostrophe, Angus, yeah. Hangus, you get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very oh, funny. It. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, monkey's, the monkey is big in, in Hartlepool and, and Hangus the monkey, the local soccer mascot, uh, is, is a big character. So that sets us up for the election of 2002. Yeah, and I think that there's like, another big step that we have to explain, which is how Hengus went from being a soccer mascot to becoming a 
candidate for office because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that this man ran under his own name and just happened to be a mascot. He ran as Hangus. That was the name on the ballot, right? Yeah. Yeah. He 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 ran as Hangus the monkey. Um, so mayors were were not really a thing in many English towns. There was a, a reform introduced uh, at the beginning of the 21st century. We're going to have more local democracy. That was the idea. A lot of people didn't entirely take it seriously with consequences that are going to become apparent. Um, so Hartlepool was supposed to be electing a mayor and Hartlepool is one of these, you know, it's, it's like in the in the US, you've got the, you've got the deep blue states, you've got the deep red states. Hartlepool's um, a Labour Party territory. You know, the, the left of centre party they always have a Labour member of Parliament. They always vote Labour. There's no doubt about this. And against this backdrop, Stuart Drummond, the guy in the uh, monkey costume, goes to the chairman of the football club and says, hey, why don't I run? Um, it'll raise the profile of the club. We can maybe raise some money for charity. It'll be fun. He doesn't think anyone's going to vote for him. Nobody thinks anyone's going to vote for him. The... The uh, the bookies are offering odds of I don't know a hundred to one I forget exactly but no biggest started at four hundred to one <laughs> was it four hundred to one yeah, yeah. You, and then it tumbles to four to one over the course of election day which is a nice little tidbit. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> as people start to realize maybe they will actually vote for the monkey and well you can see where this is going they they vote for the monkey so this is a guy who he's he is literally a joke candidate. He, yeah. And the joke is on him. And he he never thought he would be elected. He never wanted to be elected. And suddenly he was elected. And so where do we go from there? Mm. So let's stay in that moment because there's also a whole story about the fact that he ends up, I'll spoil it, but you know, being a pretty good mayor, which is an interesting thing we'll talk about. But you know, in terms of kind of what this teaches us about democracy and campaigns and so forth, I don't know, Kelly, do you feel like this is a story of... Well, it's nice that we don't take politics too seriously or uh, a story of, oh, no, this is what happens when we don't take politics. Too seriously. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think that people wanted an opportunity to have some fun because they did not think it would happen. But what happens when everyone thinks something won't happen? <laughs> it kind of yeah. happens. And that's exactly, yeah. you know, everyone went in the box and sort of checked checked for this hangus and hangus and it's like you know now you have to sort of deal with the ramifications of it but in hindsight you know they do raise a lot of money it does raise a lot of uh, of attention and um and drummond turns out to be not so bad yeah i think it, it, it's an interesting question as to whether people voted and they they never thought it would actually result in the monkey guy being elected or whether they didn't care whether he was elected or not yeah. because mm. they didn't think the mayor, the mayoral office mm. was was important. I mean, it wasn't. It was the first time there had been a mayoral election in in the modern era. So it's it's not clear whether whether it mattered, whether anybody thought it mattered. So th this is partly a story, I think, of of just people feeling disaffected with politics. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't make any difference. We might as well vote for the monkey. Who cares? Mm. Yeah. Well, to that end, I mean, I think one interesting data point here is that. The result of this election was very close, but, you know, he wins 5,696 to 5,174 and, you know, a town of 100,000 or so. So yeah. look at the turnout. Right. And so I think that tiny, that's part yeah, of the lesson yeah. here is when you have such tiny turnout, when politics is, you know, treated as a sideshow or whatever, people don't feel invested, mm -hmm. then it just creates a vacuum of sorts. And this kind of thing can happen. And it's worth yeah. pointing out that this wasn't just an 
honorary position. Like this was somebody who was going to control a staff of 3,000 people, yeah. of a budget of like $100 million. This was a <laughs> no real <small> <laughs> position of leadership, um, which I would expect he was a little um, goggle-eyed about whenever he learned that <laughs> he he was he was i mean f- in fairness to Stuart, when he realized what he'd accidentally done he could have said actually i would i now withdraw he could have refused right. to mm-hmm. take office but he said well look i mean i've got to take responsibility for the consequences of my own actions and he's a young guy but he had a he had a degree in business so he said i well i guess i'd better go to some evening classes, go take some training. So he said it was like taking six master's degrees in six months. He he oh. trained up, he took it seriously. Uh, and there were, there were lovely little touches, like one of his pledges was free bananas for every child at school, <laughs> which is like, it's a joke because he's a monkey, so free bananas. <laughs> but then when he gets elected, he's like, well, actually, the kids should have fruit, that's good for them. So he manages to get some funding together and... Uh, he fulfills that pledge, or at least each child gets a gets a piece of fruit. Might not be a banana, but gets a piece of fruit every day. So you know, even the jokes turn into actually that's a that's a perfectly respectable policy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. to Drummond's credit though that he actually takes it seriously and that he does sort of say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? Because you can imagine this could have with the wrong person yep. or with a different kind of character. <laughs> Could have gone in completely different direction, could have abused their power authority or like, you know, who knows what the outcome could have been. But uh, I appreciate the fact that he actually was like, you know what, let's make the most of this. I love that there's a little uh, twist in the story as well. The, the, the local member of parliament, the equivalent of, the, of a member of Congress, the local member of parliament in Hartlepool, there's a gentleman called Peter Mandelson. And Peter Mandelson was a huge player in the Labour Party at the time. And very much representative of this idea that the Labour Party, traditionally the party of the workers, like the Democrats in, in the US, had become too metropolitan, too elitist. Mandelson was from London. He's very urbane. He's very sophisticated, very posh accent. And there's a, there's a story about Mandelson which is probably about as true as the original story of Hanging the Monkey, that when he was taken to a traditional Hartlepool fish and chip shop and served mushy peas, and mushy peas is like, mushy peas is a difficult thing to describe. So imagine a cross between mashed potatoes and peas (laughs) and pure malt vinegar. That's the the best description I can... It's a really kind of (laughs) sharp, sour... it's hard to describe. It's a very, it's very traditional. It's very distinctive of the area. But when when Mandelson saw it, he he assumed it was uh, guacamole, and and guacamole was completely unknown in the UK at the time. That was a super kind of you know right. fancy uh, Mexican thing that nobody knew about. So so there's this story that he, he doesn't even know what mushy peas are. He thinks right. he thinks it's you know something that you should be getting in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> um, but Mandelson, when he then meets Stuart Drummond, and he, Mandelson is this, this representative of traditional power in the Labour Party, and Drummond gets himself elected in, instead of the Labour candidate for mayor, Mandelson comes up to him and says, you're a laughing stock of the town. How, how will any businesses in, invest in us now? The, the whole world is laughing at us. You've just made a joke out of us. And he's really, he rips into him. Then he asks him a few questions. And then he walks straight over to the TV cameras to give an, an interview 
And when the cameras are on, he's like, oh, no, not at all, Stuart's a wonderful boy. He's a very, very intelligent young man. He speaks three languages. He's trained in business. He really has the best interest of the community at heart. He'll be a terrific mayor. And Stuart is watching this and goes, oh, okay. I'm in politics now. This is how politics yeah. works. Yeah. I just love that kind of vignette yeah. of how, how it all sort of goes behind the scenes. Right. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. As a loyal listener to Cautionary Tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers Back on the road fast with Location Telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. All right, we're back with Tim Harford on this day in esoteric political history. But also, you know, I think 2002, it happens in this country as well. I mean, we're starting to see a moment where, A, you know, labor is somehow starts to get painted as not the party of the working class and more out-of-touch elites, you know, and if it's not guacamole in, in the UK here, you know, it's the charge of lattes and hummus or whatever. And arugula. You know, and, yeah. and arugula, you know, for, for, for liberal out-of-touch elites. Um, and so I think there's that interesting dynamic, and that's obviously that sort of populist strain continues to this day in both countries. Um, the other part of this I think is interesting and sort of marks it in a particular moment is, I mean, 
no surprise, it's a joke campaign. I mean, Drummond doesn't really campaign. He doesn't really do like events. You know, I mean, he's you know he's obviously a mascot and he's trying to raise a little awareness, but. But the media environment, I think, is important, too, that like that, you know, it's a it's a changing media environment and one in which because of just sort of a changing media environment, a candidate can kind of get their own earned press as opposed to having to do the sort of traditional gatekeeping uh, avenues of campaigning. And so I'm sure that's part of this story as well. Yeah. I'm not the, the mere outrageousness of it. The yeah. fact that it does that, I mean, one is obviously the, there are many, many differences, but I'm sort of reminded of the when Donald Trump stood to be president mm-hmm. and, and everyone's like, <laughs> it's crazy. This the reality TV star guy is going to be president. Of course, he's not going to be president. It's ridiculous. But the, the sheer fact of it being absurd means that it's a it's a huge news story. And then suddenly people are taking him seriously as a candidate because yeah. he's cut through all the noise. And. Yeah. Obviously, this is a much smaller scale than Hartlepool and a very different kind of candidate, but it's the same phenomenon. Like, of course, people are going to run stories about the guy in the monkey suit running to be mayor. Um, so let's talk a bit about sort of joke candidates. And we also have a list of animal candidates as well, which we'll get to. But, but, but Tim, do you know do you know the name Susanna Salter? Does that name ring a bell? Dude. No, I'm, I, this is why I come on this podcast, Jody, because I, I intend <laughs> to acquire an education in politics. Tell me so, all about her. Susanna Salter was elected mayor of Argonia, Kansas in 1887, the first woman elected mayor in the United States. And her election was a joke. The men of the town put her on the ballot to prove a point that a woman could never get elected mayor of their town. Wow. And lo and behold, she was elected mayor of the town and the first woman mayor uh, in the United States. So, you know, these stunt candidacies sometimes lead uh, to genuine, you know, civil rights. The joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's and she and she much like Stuart, you know, kind of grew into the role. And that's another thing you sort of outline in your piece is that like. Sometimes the traditional politicians aren't the ones who are qualified, and sometimes, you know, just a person seemingly randomly or jokingly placed on the ballot can rise to the occasion, and they may be just as qualified as as anyone else to run a town. I I love that. And it speaks to a very populist sentiment, what you're saying, Jody, right? You know, there's that famous line where um, William F. Buckley Jr. in the 1960s says that he'd rather the city be run by the first one of the first 2000 names in the Boston phone book um, than by a professional politician. And that idea that, you know, this is a job that anyone can do. And in fact, professional politicians are the least qualified to do it is a, a strong sentiment in a lot of different places. It's crazy to me, though, like just thinking about the idea of not just anyone running, but an animal running for office (laughs) is something that blows my mind. And so doing like this deep dive, I found that there is a town called Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, that has only ever had dogs for mayors. (laughs) (laughs) Not rabbits. Not rabbits. The rabbits are for the hash. The dogs are for the mayors. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I mean, it happens more than you would. It happens more than you would think in the U.S. That animals, whether it's it's dogs or cats, occasionally goats, get voted in Mm -hmm. as mayor because the mayor's office is considered so. uh, 
you know, well, exactly like the people of Hartlepool, right? Like it was considered mm-hmm. symbolic Cere- or so ceremonial. worthless, um, ceremonial that uh, you end up, you know, okay, fine. You're going to have a, a mule who is uh, the governor in Milton, Washington, or I don't know, you have um, a cat who's the mayor of a main of Michigan. Um, yeah, up or through- Bosco the dog, a black Labrador Rottweiler mix elected to the mayor of Sonal, California. <laughs> so, the, of course, the problem is then if, if it turns out that the office of the mayor isn't quite as symbolic as people think and it does actually right. matter, then you have a problem. I mean, I'm recalling all the way back uh, Caligula, the Roman emperor, appointed his horse as a consul, if I recall <laughs> That's correct. correctly. And that is, that's partly this idea that Caligula was mad, but I think also the fact that the consuls had some restraining power over the emperor. If you appoint a horse, then the horse is not going to object to anything that you do. So you're basically doing an end run around uh, attempts at a balance of power or separations of, separation of power. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do wonder whether whether sometimes this comes back to bite people, where they they think that the office is a yeah. joke, and it turns out it's not a joke at all. And and if mm-hmm. you, you know, if you elect a dog or a horse or whatever, then you you will suffer the consequences. Yeah, particularly if they're not well trained, they'll bite you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the name of that horse, Incatatus, uh, was Caligula's horse, which means oh, good knowledge, full gallop or swift. Um, good googling. Um, I I will say, you know, though. A lot of these towns in the U.S. in particular that elect animals, um, they do it when the mayoral role is a ceremonial place. And I would imagine that in a lot of these towns, there's what a lot of towns have, which is a city manager. And actually, I think that's kind of like part of this story as well. It's just sort of mm-hmm. what do we think of it? You were just saying, Tim, you know, what do we think of the role of, of mayor? And part of me almost thinks like we're either at one extreme, which is like politics is deadly serious and you need these, you know, career politicians who who are good on TV and so forth to do it. Or it's all the way at the other end where this is a joke, you know. And to me, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, which is like this is a managerial job. And I think that Stewart shows us that, you know, that he grows into the role. He treat, takes it seriously, cha- takes it as seriously as he probably took his job at the call center or on the cruise ship. And he just kind of goes to work each day. And I do think like we've lost a little sense of politics as a profession um, in in that sense. I think it's a really important idea. And it, so somebody needs to be competent somewhere, right? Unless we think that all of politics <laughs> is a joke, which it really isn't. Uh, and and I think we we get into a very nasty situation where well, it's not the same as electing animals. When you when you elect a candidate because uh, I'm a Republican and I'm going to vote for Republicans, doesn't matter what, or I'm a Democrat, I'm going to vote for Democrats. Yeah. When when parties are so polarized, the quality of the candidates potentially starts to really suffer. There's a mm-hmm. there's a classic paper in economics. I'm just drawing a blank on the the, the person who wrote it. He won a Nobel Prize, but that, that basically proves that. But I think it's quite intuitive that um, the more polarized you are, uh, the, the easier it is to get away with incompetence or corruption mm. because it's, mm. you know, it's my party right or wrong. And, and that's a bad situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it's interesting too. I... Um, 
teach an American history survey course and we talk about the rise of black elected officials in like the 60s and the 70s when you get your first big black mayors like your David Dinkins or your Harold Washingtons or black mayors of like these smaller towns. And oftentimes they're coming into office when the cities are defunct or bankrupt or, you know, really in dire straits. And then there's this Mm -hmm. idea that's like, well, it can't get any worse. So, okay, I like the black mayor. You know, like that has sort of been like the, the uh, some similar sentiments could have been made about Barack Obama in the economy of 2008. But like this idea of if things feel really bad or if things are really bad, what do we lose by electing someone who may feel like an outlier or, or risky? Maybe not much. And is that then... So I can think of that going two ways. Is on the one hand, you and I've heard similar comments made about uh, female CEOs. Like the, mm-hmm. the woman always has to come in to clean up the mess. Yeah. Um, so, on the one hand, these people from uh, disadvantaged groups who previously haven't had much access to power, they get put in office just at the moment when things are terrible. Does that mean that they end up tarnished by the fact that things are so mm-hmm. bad, or is if there's regression to the mean? Then maybe they just they just get the credit for the upswing. I don't I don't know how that works out. I'm sure it's a, a, a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's it's a matter of judging like success or failure on how on how they succeed or fail. It's not necessarily based on the even playing field. Right. It, a couple other just tidbits worth worth thinking about. I mean, I do think this question of a joke candidate, and I you know I just not to get too <laughs> big thing here, but you know I do think like jokiness and politics right now and the way that certain people kind of like play with oh this is a joke this is a joke until then all of a sudden they decide it's deadly serious you know i think that that's it it strikes me as one of the defining features in modern politics is that you know people just like say wild stuff on tv or they they tweet wild stuff and then they can kind of backtrack and be like oh no it was just a joke it was just a joke and i just think like the way that jokiness has sort of infused its way through politics and it's very slippery and it's weaponized and so forth is really um it's really kind of one of the defining features of modern politics and you see those roots a little bit in here as well of just even in you know even in Stewart's decision to just say like oh this is a place where I can be a little jokey one of the most effective politicians in the world right now is a professional comedian Vladimir Zelensky right but then that's an example, I think, of growing in, you know, people think he grew right. into the role. I mean, the mayor of Reykjavik was a comedian as well who kind of decided to run as a, as a joke and then got elected and has grown into the role and been fairly competent. And so, yeah, you see Al it. Franken. I mean, I, you know, sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, there are also always, quote unquote, joke candidates in the U.S. And so I think it's worth just giving a shout out to people like Vermin Supreme. Mm. Do you know who Vermin Supreme is? No. Always floating around in the like. New Hampshire primaries as a libertarian Democrat candidate wears like a big boot on his head, has a huge beard and a wizard <laughs> robe. But he's at every he's at, he's at every election. Um, D's nuts <laughs> ran in 2020, as you remember, got a fair number of writing votes. Um, and then to wrap it all up and bring it all around back to the monkey. I don't know if you remember this was another head spinning moment in 2016, but Harambe the monkey who was a very yes. meme who's yeah. very meme yeah. got candidate. like a million write-in votes in 2016 so you know uh there you, there you go there you have your monkey your oh. monkey callback we're in trouble yes. people <laughs> it's not great i think that might be well yeah I mean, if, you, if you want to go ahead. just 
take it to a, a, a more enlightening place, or a more encouraging place. Stuart enjoyed being mayor. Yeah. And he ran again. The end of his first term, he ran again. And he ran not as Hangus the monkey. He ran as Stuart Drummond, like the guy you accidentally elected mayor. He said, I'm serious this time. Would you elect me again? And he won with a bigger majority. And then he ran for a third term and he won again. So yeah. he started as a joke, but the people of Hartlepool obviously thought, actually, this guy's good. We'll have him again. And and as you point out in your piece, which I think people you know people should go listen because there's a lot more there. But there's there's something there about uh, promotion and management and just sort of saying like if you give people an opportunity, they can they can grow into it. There's a, yeah, there's a business school literature which I which I yeah. discuss. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really great episode. And of course, to hear more stories like that, you can go check out Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts, one of our favorite shows. And Tim, thank you so much for doing this. This was really, really fun. And congratulations on the new season. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Nicole Hammer, thanks to you. Thank you, Jody. Kelly Carter-Jackson, thanks to you. My pleasure. Um, You know, I only stood in the election for a bit of fun, a bit of a joke. And, you know, got a bit of publicity. And I thought, well, I might as well see it through. Never stood in an election before, and lo and behold, ended up winning, but then went on to win two more terms. I guess you can, you can affect what's happening locally a lot more as an elected mayor, because you're, you're leader of the council, effectively, and you're, you're the budget holder. You're the one with the responsibility to spend the money, and you're directly accountable for the public. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help, because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could smarter you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Nerd Wallet, finance smarter.